inside the admissions office, your one-stop shop for expert advice on the smart way to get in. My name is Ellen, and in each episode, I'll bring you an interview with a former admissions officer, a graduate of a top college, or an admissions expert. These interviews will take you inside the admissions office and will be full of behind-the-scenes knowledge, first-hand experiences, and application tips that will help you get into your dream school. If you'd like to chat with one of these experts, you can sign up for a free consultation at the link in the description of this episode. Today, we'll hear from Kevin DuPont, an athletic recruitment specialist and a former admissions officer from UC Berkeley, Tufts, Cornell, UCSC, about talent in college admissions, from athletic ability to academic prowess to artistic skill. Kevin and I will discuss how students can highlight their individual talents to stand out in the elite admissions landscape. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Hi, Alan. I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? Well, perfect. So this is a good episode. We have a lot of questions, so I'm going to jump right into it. Could you tell me a little bit more about yourself, about your background? I'm Kevin. I'm based in Dubai, and I've been here for quite some time working with students and with Ingenious. My admissions career really kind of began at Tufts. I was in graduate school there, and I was able to work in the admissions office kind of around the same time which was a really great experience. And then I just really got excited by admissions work and working with students and later transitioned into roles with Anna Cruz, Berkeley, and Cornell, particularly looking at international applicants and they're evaluating their profiles for admission to those schools and some domestic as well. So I've been on both sides of the application pile, so to speak. And then my athletic recruitment specialist side comes from my time as a tennis player. Tennis was my life for quite some time. I went to a special tennis high school in Florida for a few years. And then tennis took me through my undergraduate career at Brandeis. And then I was a coach at Tufts while I was there in one of my many facets for two seasons, which was awesome. I really loved that experience and love to share that with my students who are interested in being a recruited athlete. And from your experience working at so many different schools, did you gain insight on differences in these different admissions offices? Obviously, these are all kind of like elite schools. Did the admissions offices run pretty similarly or were there key differences students might want to learn about? Definite differences. The thing is, is a lot of the times these admissions offices, while they work very similarly, it's actually how they evaluate that's very different. And when I say that, I mean, different schools look at applications just plain differently. How a student articulates their major of interest. What type of application they're submitting? Are they submitting, let's say, an arts and science application that is just like so business focused, it's not even the right fit? Schools really will dig deep into that selection quite seriously. And then you have other schools which won't even look at the major, but they'll look at academics really closely and will solely base on academics. So the evaluation process is really what the major difference is and how they will look at a file. Those are the major differences. And those are not always something that a student can necessarily prepare an application toward because they don't really know. But at the same point in time, making sure that the application the student submits is understand or understood by many different individuals is really key. That's a, a continuous thing through all of the schools is that many different readers will review that file and they all need to come to the same conclusion at the end. Now, speaking of talent in college admissions, 
just like on a basic level, what's the significance of talent? Like, how does it help students stand out? Talent can come up in quite a few different ways. So we have the athletic talent, which is fairly binary. A student's recruited or a student is not recruited. With athletics, it's kind of its own thing. But talent outside of athletics, arts, music, an extracurricular talent, like let's say debate or model United Nations or something like that of that nature. Those things really are important for an application because they stand out in such a unique way. A student is maybe pursuing a science major, but then has an art talent. And that just showcases another dimension to who they are. For example, I remember an applicant from many years ago who was a physicist and also was a fantastic flute player and talked about the physics of the flute and why the flute is shaped the way it is and all of these really interesting things that I had no idea what they were talking about. But it really can help a student who is not going to stand out otherwise stand out and help that file that maybe wasn't going to reach the top of my pile get to the top of my pile as an admissions officer. Right. And as you just alluded to, we obviously like think of music, visual arts, performing arts, sports as far as talent, but talent is a wide range of fields, debate, academic abilities like writing skills, math skills. Are there any other categories that you find students often overlook and they are not even recognizing their own talents? I found that students will often overlook their their real sort of like passions and drivers, internal drivers. For example, if a student's particularly interested in a a social issue, they may look past that. And that's actually a really important point to stand out. If they're a really avid special Olympics volunteer, for example, that itself is a lot of work. It's a special ability to do that kind of volunteering, to be so passionate about that. That's something that students often overlook is, is emphasizing those things that maybe they're like, oh, well, I did it. It's volunteering. Cool. But I, it's not a talent. Well, actually, it is something that is quite, quite demanding and does require a special kind of person to do it because not everyone could be in that role. And how are admissions officers actually evaluating these talents? So like, how are they evaluating the student's level of involvement in the activity, their like performance and their ability of that activity, that extracurricular? For recruited athletes, they have their own sort of application process and it's kind of vetted by the coach themselves. So the admissions office kind of takes that and respect what the coach submitted. And so that involvement is already sort of vetted and cleared. After that, any sort of art portfolio or music portfolio that a student submits either with their application or separately that is evaluated usually by a special individual in the office or by a faculty member to sort of verify, yes, the student is actually as talented as they are. And it's an additional attachment to their application. So those pieces can certainly be reviewed. But of course, the student has to do all of the work and submit that on their own, which just kind of come from the activities list by itself. But if a student is, let's say, applying just with a talent like debate, for example, which does not maybe have a portfolio, does not have a recruitment process, the real driver for understanding that that talent comes from the student. Um, So whether it's the activities list or their essays or even letters of recommendation, understanding the depth of that involvement is, is really key. Over time, admissions officers are going to know a lot about a lot of things and they gain that knowledge, but not always. We're seeing very less and less awareness of big 
debate competitions, for example, because there are so many coming up now. So it really comes back to the student articulating extremely clearly what their level of involvement is, and then the school taking what they what they say and, and kind of evaluating it back to see how talented they actually are. And admissions committees are not just, you know, letting in a bunch of individually, like separately talented students, but they're trying to, you know, craft a class that has like a balance of different talents. So could you talk about like the relationship between the students' individual talents and that class that the the admissions committee is trying to build? And then, you know, why some of these more common talents then can sometimes be a disadvantage for students? Individual talent and the talents of the class is kind of self-explanatory in a way because we d- the admissions office does not want to see the same kind of student across the board. They don't need 5,000 violinists. And so those individual talents can really allow for a student to, again, move up there that pile of files. And so, for example, let's say in the first year class, there are 10 violinists, but there's only one cello player. That cello player who is equally admissible otherwise may move up that profile. Or maybe there is there are not many artists, but then there is one fantastic art portfolio from a student who is admissible, yes, but needs a little bit of extra support that can really stand out. So sometimes those, I don't want to say less common talents, but those more unique talents can allow an applicant who is perfectly admissible to, to kind of leapfrog into the top of the pile because they have another perspective that is not already seen elsewhere or not commonly seen elsewhere. And sort of an opposite to what I just said, the more common talents can be disadvantaged because there are so many others doing Trinity piano exams or doing certain kinds of music performances. And so at some stage, the admissions officer will say, okay, yeah, I've seen a student just like this before. Why is this one standing out? And that's where that talent becomes lost and the efficacy of it becomes lost in terms of the the admissions file. And so for students who do have some of these like more quote unquote common talents, like piano, is there anything that you recommend in strategizing their application that they can do to, you know, still be a little bit more unique? Um, Yeah, of course. So yes, piano might be quote unquote more common, but one's relationship with an instrument is inherently personal. And so really articulating that relationship is is key. Maybe it is a certain piece that a student struggled with. That can be a great personal statement example. If there was, let's say, a long-term engagement, this, this talent, they must have had some situations where they need to persevere and understand the the need to commit to master mastering or to becoming better in what they do. Allocating time when in the middle of a busy schedule is also really key. So some of these skills that they gain from maybe that more common talent can allow it to be shaped a little bit differently. And I think there's some confusion because like the word recruited, recruiting, as far as college admissions is maybe like sometimes used incorrectly or informally. So in addition to like the athletic recruitment process, which is like its own totally formal thing, are there other students getting recruited with talents like musicians, theater students, dance students? We do see that. Dance and theater is a little bit more, I don't want to say formal because that's not exactly what I'm trying to say, but you see universities have their own dance and theater 
application processes or even places of for items of, of submission. I'm thinking particularly for a school like, let's say, NYU, which has its own kind of particular college for, for the theater arts. And it's very different than the rest of, the, of their colleges. So when we're talking about those talents, like let's say music or debate, which are not always thought of when we use the word recruiting, we can find that being connected with a college or university's faculty, orchestra, music ensemble or ensembles, there may be debate competitions, clubs that a student is really either is able to attend or get involved with as a high school student, which does happen. That's one way where a, a student can be sort of indirectly recruited if they are, are talented. I think it's trickier, it's been trickier because of COVID, because universities had such strict campus rules for visitors. But in moving forward, I think the more students can be involved with, let's say, a college's orchestra or get to know a faculty member, that can always help them in terms of these you know, other forms of recruitment where it's possible. So we have this term here at Ingenious Prep application persona, and maybe you can define it quickly for our newer listeners, but could you talk to me about how students might incorporate their talent into their application persona? Yeah, of course. So application persona is kind of that motto that is understood and referenced throughout a a student's application. It's not something that will go into the application and will be written down per se, but it's something that the admissions officer will um, think about ideally when the they're reading the file. So when a student's creating their own, that is ultimately where they need to think, what do I want the admissions officer to think about me when they're reading my application? And it's not think about me as they're reading it, but think about me when they get distracted by someone who walks into their office or the doorbell rings. And then they're like, oh, okay, they get distracted. Then they come back to their screen and they go, okay, who is Kevin? That is the application persona is what that which should come next. That clear message is like, all right, Kevin is that that is public servant who wants to help others engage in education and is also this tennis player from Dubai. That itself would kind of capture the at least my application if I were applying in in the way I would want it to. So that's how a student could possibly create one. When incorporating a talent into it, just like I did, I mentioned tennis in in mine, which recruited athletes should not mention their sport in their personal statement or something like that. But ideally highlighting that the student is an academic and has this additional fantastic talent that should be coming to the forefront immediately. Major and talent should be what the two most important things that a application persona consists of and what the admissions officer is realizing as they're looking through that student's application. And do you have specific examples of how you've helped some of your students incorporate their talents into their applications and their strategy? Sure. Yeah, I have one student now who is a very involved fencer. And particularly, he is also a math major. And so our persona was a bit cheeky. It was for this student, a young mind who appreciates angles both in textbooks and on the pitch on the strip, excuse me, because fencing, fencing strip, and then angles, math angles. That's the kind of way we did that. So the student, while maybe he was a little bit lighter on the extracurriculars, 
he was really passionate about math and fencing, and that was a major part of his profile, and that's where it came together. So it was very clear. And then we actually hosted a webinar together last month on this topic when we had hundreds of attendees. So we got a lot of good questions. So I went ahead and I turned those questions into like a little FAQ for you to answer. So cool. how can students determine what level of success or ability that they actually have in their sport, instrument, or other talents? The thing about success is that it's always going to be arbitrary in some way. A student can have immense success within their context, but then they're being evaluated against the international community, which may deem their success lesser because of a lack of opportunities or access to opportunities. For example, a, a student who is coming from, let's say, the UAE may have more opportunities to compete for a certain theater because there are less theater, less theaters or less in you know, theatric performances here than maybe there are in, let's say, New York City. So very big difference. So I want that to come across first is that it's always going to be somewhat arbitrary, but I would advise students to really look at where they are in terms of larger, let's say, competitions, if they're involved with debate or music orchestras, see where they are. If they're performing above and beyond their peers, their classmates, that shows obviously very good success. If they are doing well, but they're not necessarily standing out in relation to their peers or their, their classmates, then maybe it's okay, kind of in that, in that mid-range. Again, it's hard because there are so many different contexts, but the best thing to do is to compare with those around them or to larger competitions that are going on to see, because that's ultimately where that comparison is going to be in the admissions office. And when we're thinking of awards, what is the significance of like the different tiers? So like state versus regional versus national, what are admissions officers actually thinking when they're looking at like a state versus a national award? So for state awards, these are great just to, for an admissions officer to get an idea of, okay, this student done well, they've gotten to their state level. Now, states, again, only mostly for the U.S., generally speaking, but it's sort of like that first level. Admissions officers. When they're looking at awards, national awards particularly will stand out. Now, national awards that are specific, like let's say government scholarships that come from certain countries, like we have those in the Middle East, or special pathway programs that a student is on, let's say with their with their their country in partnership with the, with the U.S. government, maybe that is going to really stand out. Those national level awards, state and regional, then may not stand out as much. So for domestic U.S. students. Because um, obviously we don't have national awards in the same way as, as other countries might. Those regional awards, let's say the New England region would be especially standing out. And of course, national would as well, because we don't see that many awards getting to that level for, let's say, particular talents. If someone's in the, the national debate competition champion from 2021, that's going to stand out quite a bit. Because I imagine there can't be so many debate competitions that are at the national level. And does having like a large online presence on something like, like a YouTube channel, a TikTok account, can that be considered a talent? And if so, or regardless even, how might students like present this in their application in like the most positive strategic light? The idea of TikTok or TikTok influencer or a YouTube 
uh, YouTuber. That's where it's still a word. I'm not sure. I could be dating myself horribly, but it, it's fine. It is. It's still not really considered a talent, just because. Yes, of course, content creation is a, a thing that is fantastic. From the admissions officer's perspective, they are looking at something a little bit larger. So if this individual is an avid TikTok influencer, particularly around the issues of climate change, and they're applying for an environmental studies major, then it fits. But there needs to be more in relation to a particular passion or ideally the student's major to go along with being a TikTok influencer or an active YouTube content creator. There needs to be more to it. Just creating content and having an online presence won't particularly stand out. If let's say, for example, the student is posting pictures of them on holiday, that's not really going to make an impact in emissions. But if it's talking about, let's say, maybe sustainable traveling and sustainable tourism for an environmental studies major, that's going to stand out. So it's how it's packaged that really will showcase that talent a little bit differently. And it has to be relevant to their major. And then this is a question we got a lot during our webinar. So how can students like showcase their talents in their application? Should they share like a portfolio or like videos of them performing, competing? Should they be using the additional information section? Should they use like a website, Instagram, video? And then who's actually reviewing this portfolio? Yeah, so portfolios should pretty much always be done if the student is particularly serious about that application. Now, the thing with portfolios, they take a lot of time. So a student should ideally not, if they're that serious about, let's say, art or music, they should have already had things prepared from multiple years of engagement. If they're doing a whole portfolio just for their admission, they need to be very sort of reflective about, is this truly something that is, is, is one of their passions? because these portfolios should already be developing throughout high school. Now, but that they are a fantastic way to showcase talents on an application. Admissions officers do have a look at these portfolios as do some faculty members, like I mentioned earlier, but it does depend on the school. Larger schools who don't have, let's say, the bandwidth to read 70,000 applications and look at, let's say, 7,000 portfolios will have faculty members step in to, to review them in some way. But it really does depend on the school. In terms of really showcasing talents in the application, the expected activities list and essay writing is really the, the baseline for the student to showcase their talents. If they have someone that can write them a letter of recommendation, that is both relevant to their academic, let's say by this means a teacher or an advisor at school and can highlight that, that talent most clearly, that could also help them quite a bit. I have a lot of my students who are interested in, in the arts have an art teacher write a letter of recommendation that showcases their academics and that talent. And then they'll have another letter, of course, but that's where they're really stacking on as many influence points of influence that they can get in their application. This is not always possible because let's say if a student is an active debate participant, maybe they don't have that at school. They could use, let's say, a debate coach as like an optional third letter of recommendation. That could be one way to do it if they're able to. The additional information section is a bit tricky because there are often so many things a student wants to say and this on schools just can't possibly read when this is a three-page additional information section and there should never be links in there by the way links are never going to get read ever it's actually not even possible to read them i would be very mindful of using that additional information section for something that maybe the admission officers won't read i would just be kind of careful using it 
So when students are submitting portfolios, is there usually like an official kind of section for that? Like the school's using slide room or they have like a whole section for that in the Common App? Yeah, there's almost always a place where the student can upload their portfolio. They write through slide room or through wherever they wish to do that. And I imagine if there isn't, the student could like contact that individual school's admissions office and just ask them if there's any way they could submit that portfolio or if they have like a preference. Pretty much, yeah, but it's almost always in their website as well. The, there'll be a, a FAQ section that says, do you accept our portfolios? And the school will say yes, no. And if, it's, if yes, here is how they do it. And then for extracurriculars like music or theater, how might students showcase qualities like leadership or like initiative, you know, when there's not kind of more of those like formal options, like you can be president of your debate club, but you can't be like president of your school's production of Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. So this is where a lot of the positions that students will be in can be fantastic leadership roles. For example, I had a student who was art director of their school play for three years. And that was leadership because she had to lead 30 people in in preparing the sets for the show. And there was problem solving involved. There's all these things that she highlighted. And so that leadership is really helpful and can stand out if showcased correctly. So like art leadership or being head of section for a music ensemble, that is another way to showcase that. And student has to be able to articulate that as well in their application, maybe through a supplemental essay. But those would be, I think, the two best ways to highlight those heads of section or heads of a certain department role, which they have. Now, I get this next question like a lot, a lot when I talk to families where kind of like their overarching plan is to sneak their kid into the Ivy League through like, like music, like they've had their kid playing the violin since like the womb and you know the kid's like a stem major but they're hoping like oh like he's so good at violin that Yale's gonna recruit him to be in the orchestra even he's like not a music major is that something that actually happens and how might students like take advantage of that opportunity not really so that the thing is is that the application is always going to go usually by major in some way and if a school is this serious about their musicians they're probably not going to be looking at the application in the same pool as they would for let's say STEM majors. So not, no, not really. It would have to be a specific music major to particularly stand out, especially in the case you just gave. And then is there any sort of informal recruitment for club sports or any kind of like school group, like I said, orchestra, choir? Yeah, sometimes there is. It depends on the school. It depends on how they're structured because in many cases, it won't necessarily be like, oh, contact this person and they'll be the informal recruiter. It's more of like, oh, we see that this student is a fantastic rugby player. If they apply, like, here's a little note to make down. But it definitely can be. I know some schools who don't have active varsity sports will be very aggressively looking at students for club sports. And this is for sports that are maybe a little more, let's say, out of the popular eye like ultimate frisbee, rugby, cricket, I'm sure, because of the rise of pickleball. And that will be maybe a sport in the future too. I just saw like a TikTok that was a conspiracy theory that there must be like big marketing money behind pickleball because it just like appeared out of nowhere. I guess it probably didn't appear out of nowhere, but like it really exploded in popularity. So the girl was like wondering like, who's pushing pickleball? Like who's the mind behind its popularity? I know. I mean, I've been playing pickleball for about six years now. so. It was not a big news to me, but its boom was really fast. Yeah. So I don't know who or what got behind it, but 
I'm okay. I'm here for it. I can't even bother to Google what pickleball is. I I choose to be ignorant. <laughs> Next question. This is another specific question we had. Is learning multiple languages or knowing multiple languages, that, is that a special talent? Mm, it could be. I think, unfortunately, because of the rise of, of interracial and intercultural families, this is unfortunately been something that's been diluted. So if a student, let's say, grew up in a intercultural household and they have English as well, that could mean they're speaking three, four languages quickly. I was one of those kids and I learned that in my application generation, as I'm calling it, that maybe stood out, whereas now that wouldn't stand out. And so unfortunately, I think this is going to be something that we're going to see more students having this linguistic background and, and this talent is going to fade. So unfortunately, not so much anymore. And if a student has worked with like a well-known athlete, a well-known artist in their field, maybe they've done like a masterclass, they've performed with them, any sort of interaction, should they quote unquote name drop them in their application? They could, but name dropping is name dropping. So unfortunately at some stage, it won't necessarily carry that much weight because let's say I'm just thinking of like what I saw on TV just before now, but like Jamie Oliver had a cooking show in Dubai okay, well, if, if he held a, an event for high school students who are interested in, in culinary and some student went, there you go, it's access, right? So it's, I don't think it's really going to stand out too much, unfortunately, but the student's welcome to do it if they wish to. Do you have specific advice about how students like should or shouldn't talk about their talents in their personal statement or their supplemental essays? Yeah, I mean, it, this is a tricky thing. It's a great question because it will ultimately, the answer ultimately depends on how the student writes their personal statement. If they write their personal statement about their activity, which is totally fine, it needs to be inherently highlighting growth and reflection and change perhaps in the student over time. And so it, it does really depend on how the student wishes to prepare their application. My personal counseling style is to have a student use a supplemental essay where they really talk about that activity and highlight their passions, their commitment to it, how they've engaged beyond the classroom, what is driving them to do it day in and day out. And their personal statement is inherently who they are as a human being. Who is Kevin as that human being? And where does that come from? And because that personalized connection is really what the admissions officer is trying to draw out. They want to see that student behind the file they submit, which is where the personal statement would come into play. And how should students like package and showcase academic talents, particularly like STEM talents, I think are a little harder to showcase than like writing talent or humanities talents? Yeah, they are a bit harder. I mean, this is where being involved in research and being involved in internships or work experience is going to stand out because in STEM field, it's all about engagement, really. It's about engaging with either future technologies or future solutions for our world. And so that involvement will showcase that talent. The more research a student can do, then the more exposure they have in, in their particular field. So I think that's the best way they can probably showcase it if they can. And is there ever a disadvantage for submitting a portfolio or supplemental materials? Like, for example, if a student's just like pretty average at their skill, is there a disadvantage for submitting like, you know, a recording of them playing the violin? I have seen portfolios, which I felt like probably shouldn't have been submitted. But at the same time, students have their passion that maybe the student's passion for the violin is there and they want to showcase that. 
So I always say that the student is welcome to submit their portfolio, but it, at some stage, it from the admission officer perspective, it might sort of seem like, okay, yeah, this is maybe average or this is not as serious. It, it could be slightly negative. So it's important that the student is just really sort of articulate about their, their talent and showcase that, that passion for it quite clearly. That's really, I think, the key thing. Because the other way I looked at this question was, if a student is just like kind of does art, should they submit a, a portfolio? And that answer is firmly no, because the admissions officers can read right through it. So it's important that the whole application links to that portfolio when it's submitted, even if maybe their talent is not, let's say, a national level or a, a top level. And then just from like purely admission strategy perspective, is it beneficial for a student to maybe say in their application, like, oh, I'm planning to do a double major or a major plus a minor so that they can pursue their academic interests and their talent if those things are separate? Yeah, most definitely it's helpful. I loved seeing double majors or a major and a minor when I was reading an application because ideally, if a student did it correctly, there were two themes that were easy for me to draw lines toward. So let's say, for example, okay, this student wants to major in physics, minor in philosophy, and I can see the physics connections, I can see the philosophy connections throughout the application. That persona was easy for me to create. So in that persona, for that the application persona for a student, if there is a major and a minor at that school available or two majors available, it can actually serve as a great structure for the application persona. So absolutely, most definitely. But it's important that a student does not just click two majors or a major and a minor just for fun. It needs to be coherent with the rest of the application. If it's something totally random, the admissions officer is probably going to look negatively upon that. And then this is a very, very common question. Maybe it's a common misconception. We'll see. Are the academic requirements lower for recruited athletes, especially at like top schools like Ivy's? So generally speaking, there is a slightly lower threshold for recruited athletes. Now, what that is really depends on the school, the sport, the year, so many things. But Ivy Leagues have had lower requirements in the past. That's changing, though. Honestly, the, the, in the pool, especially at the higher level of sports, is becoming more and more competitive. And so we're seeing more competitive applicants be also fantastic athletes or very talented individuals. So in the past, yes, there has been some lower threshold. I think we're going to see that go away quite soon, but you do see it at the the top tier. And then how do admissions officers view students who have started or maybe just like worked very intensively in like a business, a nonprofit? Has that become like kind of a common activity or is that still something that showcases like a talent initiative? It has become a bit common, especially nonprofits. For example, a student who's involved with a nonprofit very seriously will potentially be using that as an activity on their list, and that could become a little bit common if it's if it's a, a common nonprofit or something that is commonly seen for a certain pool of majors. But starting a business, it it is becoming something that admissions officers like to see because it shows kind of a, a multi layer approach to that talent or that activity and it requires just different skills that high schoolers don't usually get so that still looked at favorably I think we're going to see things change in the next few years regarding starting a business because it is quite transparent now and it's quite becoming quite common but for right now I think it's still looked at favorably but 
again, it's all about how the student articulates that business because just starting a business and then it kind of sitting there doesn't really do, it needs to be cultivated and grown. And that takes time and effort. And so does showing that within the application. And can it be kind of transparent if like a student just has like an internship at like their parents' visit business or like their parents' friend's business and they're not actually really doing anything? Do you find that that's like transparent in applications? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That can definitely come out because when a student is starting something on their own and doing something on their own, they just talk differently about that talent, about that opportunity. It's, it's how we do, anyone does that. And so it, it comes out very clear and quickly if the, let's say the opportunity is maybe not as fruitful. I remember back in the day, not too far back, but the summer before my senior year of high school, I had a friend who was saying like, oh, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to create an app for my college applications. And I was like, do I have to do that? He was like, yeah, like you need to like make an app now to get into colleges. And I had it like written down on my to-do list. I have no skills that would ever ever allow me to make an app but is that a common talent that people do or is that kind of getting played out it's getting played out just because there's an app for everything we've been saying that for many years now so apps are becoming at this point just everyday things but is there a a a new world equivalent a new world i guess or new age equivalent i'm not even sure not to my knowledge i mean some may say nfts but i think that's maybe just a little bit of generalization yeah, I was going to suggest NFTs. I also don't know what an NFT is and I will not Google it. I just like choose to wait until they're no longer culturally relevant. Same thing for me too. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about candidacy building. How can younger students identify their talents and passions? And then, you know, once they do, once they've identified like, oh, I love violin or theater or debate, how can they move forward to be as competitive as possible while pursuing this talent? I advise younger students to really look at what gets them up every day. What gets them really excited? That is a, a, a talent or a passion or just something that really excites them. And then build on it from there. It does not have to be something that their friends are doing. It does not have to be something that is, you know, the reason they live. No, but it's what really excites them and what they find joy in. Because while this is a common phrase, it doesn't feel like work if you're enjoying it. And in some way it is true. If you're enjoying what you're doing, the time will go very quickly. And so I advise students to look reflectively on that. And then moving forward, it does depend on the the talent, of course, but I advise students to really look at how can they do what they're doing, their talent, and how can they showcase that to others? For myself, I love teaching my friends how to play tennis because it's my love and I would love for one of my friends to love it too. And so if anyone ever is interested, I go and teach them. I also teach young kids. I teach underprivileged people because it's, it's another way I can still showcase my sport in another way. And so I recommend that for younger students that if they have that talent or that passion, share it with others. That's a great way to showcase community involvement and potentially have a leadership role as well. For the record, I do not like this next question, but it is a question I get a lot, especially from parents. Should students continue pursuing activities if, number one, they aren't good at them, quote unquote, or if they aren't super related to their application profile, with a caveat that the student still is passionate about the activity or they enjoy the activity? The the one thing that we I think has been lost in the admissions process or the the idea of the admissions process is that this is a personal situation. 
our personal experience. So if a student is passionate about something and they're really not, not so good at it or it's not related to their application persona, that's fine. That's totally fine. It's one of those things where we are all human beings, the applicants, the admissions reviewers, and we all have our things that we love to do, whether we're good at them or we're not so good at them. Totally fine. Go for it. I always tell my students that you're humans. If you like it, do it. I'm not going to tell you no just because you're applying to college. So this is maybe a bit more of a personal answer, but yeah, of course I should keep doing it. Now, if let's say it's taking up 30 hours a week and you have nothing else to do, maybe reevaluating the time committed to that activity, let's say maybe toward the, the latter part of high school for at least a little bit of time, but keep doing that because in the end, this process is, is one that involves humans and we all have our, our interests and they fulfill us in some way. Yeah, I think someone could write like a very, like a really fire personal statement about like what it means to like pursue an activity that you're not good at, that you don't feel like particularly talented at. I can imagine a great essay coming of that. So write that down, okay. students. And then let's see, do you have any additional words of wisdom to share? I would say that just the for any student who is thinking about applying and is like, well, I think I'm talented, but I'm not so sure. If you're asking that question, you are certainly talented. There is no doubt about that. And talent is often measured in some sort of ranking, some sort of metric. But in in the end, we all have our own talents and we're better at some things than we're other things. And the college application is the place where you can articulate your, your passion and your talent and it's your free space to do that. Yes, maybe not everything will be 100% relevant, but that's okay. No one does everything exactly by the book with exactly what they're doing at all times. So enjoy the college application process. And if you do have a talent that you want to highlight, highlight it, it's okay. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. I'm sure our listeners appreciate your insight into talent and college admissions. For more information, check out our blog linked in the episode description. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic for a future episode, go ahead and give us a follow and send us a message on social media with the hashtag InsideAdmissions. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.